Okay, so it's been a while since we've, I don't, I didn't even do the math, but it's probably been four or five years since we've done a podcast together. It's been a snack. Yeah, I would say probably, didn't we do one, I think in 2000, did we do one in 2019 or was that 2018? Yeah, it's probably been four years. That'd be four years. Yeah, I'm going to look it up right now. The last one was with G-Monk and them. Mm -hmm. We did a like a, a group one, right? Yeah. G-Monk and with, with Albert Omos, was it? Mm -hmm. I think so. Well, one of them we did that. We did a th trifecta a while ago. Well, it's been a long time. It was a long time, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. There's also been a lot of stuff that's happened since. A couple of things have happened since that. Just a, a couple, couple of things. things like, not that. even that big of a deal, but it's something to probably talk about, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> to those that are like just now listening to the podcast or, or our conversations, I figured it would be actually good to to kind of, and also people that have not been in the, that they don't know you very familiar, like they're not familiar with your work and your process and where you come from. I thought it'd be really cool to kind of talk about that a little bit to get us started. I have a bunch of questions about different topics, but could you tell people that aren't familiar with who you are, what you do, and kind of where you come from? Sure. So my name is Mike Winkleman Beeple, a.k.a. Um, I'm from Wisconsin, currently living in Charleston, um, and I am a digital artist who sold some of these newfangled NFTs that these kids are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> kids with their non-fungible whatnot. <laughs> uh, I was waiting how long until you'd make me giggle on this introduction. I lasted 15 yeah. seconds. <laughs> the... Um, yeah, so I've been doing this like 20 years, but obviously in the last two years, things got a bit wacky as the fucking NFT sort of uh, boom happened. Um, and so now I'm very much kind of like focused on making more art and trying to kind of like help educate the traditional art world about digital art and sort of like what goes into making it uh, and sort of. A, a bit more of the understanding of the craft behind it, because I think it's like, it's made with computers. Like, well, that's okay. There's a lot of things made with computers. That's like super vague. Um, but I don't think people have any idea beyond that, that it's like, oh, it's made with a computer. It's like, the, okay, well, that's like the general public and also educated public too. Um, right. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, I think the, you ask the average person, it's sort of like, they don't, they just, why would they know this? How, how this stuff comes together? Like, it's not like, Oh, you don't know this. Of course you don't know this. Like nobody, you've never really thought about it and nobody's sort of like explained this. So it would make perfect sense that you don't sort of like understand how these, you know, images are made. Um, but like this is the same the the sort of broad very broad workflow that is you know that i'm going through to make these images are the same way video games you know art for video games is made art for movies art for tv shows yeah um and so like the sort of basic you know kind of 3d workflow um is used a lot and people see it every day they just don't know how that, you know, Mario character was animated like that. Or why does he look like that? What makes him look like that? Like, mm -hmm. and so trying to like help educate people about sort of the production behind digital art and sort of like 
where the meaning is because I think people see and they hear, oh, it was made with a computer. They don't understand the intention behind that. And they don't understand that just because it was made by a computer, there's ways to make things sort of good with the computer. And then there's ways to make things not so good and sort of understanding, having a bit more understanding for the aesthetics and what makes something well made and what is sort of like, eh, wasn't made that great. That was kind of crap. Um, which again, if you don't, if you don't have experience, like I can't look at a painting and unless it's like, a, it's, it's gotta be a fucking masterpiece. Either it's a masterpiece or it's a total pile of shit. <laughs> In your opinion, it, right? Yeah. For me to like, you know, sort of be able to like have some like, okay, this this painting is, you know, good or whatever. But even the ones that are total piles of shit, like sometimes people are like, oh, that's great. So it's like, then I have no fucking book. But I think it's it's having some, I think, I think people will develop this over time, having some sort of, you know, just more experience around digital art will help them to kind of see over time what's good what's bad what was well made what was like poorly made mm. um what and what has truly sort of like new concepts behind it and what's sort of like well that's not really that no that's like that was the thing everybody was doing in 2010 you just weren't around for it mm. you know what i mean because i think there's a lot of that like i see Sometimes people doing things where it's like, yeah, that's not remotely new, but people haven't seen it in, you know, the sort of like space. So they don't know that. Almost everything is some sort of remix or, and that's the kind of the irony we're going to get into this probably some more as well as like the irony with AI art is it's, it's basically an, a remix generator. And uh, that's really interesting as well because it's not really authentic, but then what is truly authentic? And that's a great point to when we talk about the subject of authenticity and when curation comes into this space, which I think is really interesting as well, like people that are non-creating artists observing and then getting a recollection of what has happened and transpired and then therefore appointing potential values based on these kind of constructs of, I don't know, like um, what would you call like the... Um, like the scholastic approach to things, like studying things, understanding things, the presence of things. Art is so wild and it's one of those like, it's a dragon. It's like trying to chase a dragon almost. It's it's so elusive and it's constantly shifting and changing. But you you touched on something we should talk about too. Before we do that, I've been making notes as we go. You were you had an art education. That's something that I think is, no, no art, no college, right? Your college was for computer science. Computer science. Okay, that's right. Yeah, um, that was something. But you didn't go for art uh, focus. That's right. Okay, and that's something we talk about uh, before as well. Like your approach to art, which I think is actually really great, is you don't have this kind of baggage of the past on your conscious approach to making your art, which I think makes it even more authentic. Does that make sense? Well, I do know some art history now, so I feel like you I have now. a little, yeah. little baggage on me. I got a, a little bit of a a history lesson here, but sure. uh, yeah, I definitely don't know most of art history. I will, I will still say that my my uh, knowledge of the space is still pretty 
pretty elementary. Well, you could spend pretty much your whole life studying maybe a handful of artists and never really sure. understand them. And that's a handful, meaning there's, uh, I would say, hundreds of thousands of artists who have created pretty great work. Probably the top 0.1% of them has created brilliant work. And that's all still subjective, but can sure. kind of chase down to be like, oh, this is actually relevant and good, socially relevant, and so on and so forth. But Okay, cool. So the computer science thing, which I think makes a lot of sense, you know, with what you're doing now, which is working with engineers and building really cool thoughts. Basically, you're thinking big and you're working with engineers and you're kind of creating these things, which is almost like this amalgamation of taking what's inside of your head. Forgive me if I'm jumping, but you're taking what's in your side of your head and then you're putting it out to the world, not just in a canvas form, but in an experiential form or, um, you're just chasing what it seems like you've always chased is your interests, right? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's definitely, I think that's what was sort of like ironic with when the NFT thing hit, it made me like, as the whole world was going, you know, more digital, this made me uh, sort of like look a bit more at the like physical world and like, well, what are the things that could be done there? um in terms of trying to make things items that feel very digital but are obviously physical objects and so i think there's a lot of space there for digital digital artists to sort of like do things that kind of cross that boundary and on the other side too for traditional artists to do things that you know feel more digital um and so yeah that's what i've been kind of like focused on now but I, I, I yeah i never really used the computer science degree um i feel like with this nft stuff and understanding some of those sort of like technicalities behind it it's definitely helped but mm. yeah i would say this has probably been the closest that i've been to actually dusting that bad boy off and giving her <laughs> use <laughs> well yeah i would say like because i would uh, i went i had art education but and for a long time, I would say like that education didn't really influence my career. But I would, when I like take a more humbled approach to it and I think about it, I go, I think it did. I just wasn't willing to acknowledge its like value. And I, for whatever reason, because I wanted to validate my own choice of like being the school of internet or whatever, or like feeling like I've learned a lot more from others and the internet and actually working on projects, you know, and in real time as you do. And I think that makes sense. Yeah, well, it's because for me, at least I'm trying to go, okay, was that worth my time and effort? And then I go, well, shit, I just learned the equivalent of that lesson in a video because I was willing to take it in, though, too. So that's a difference as well. When you're learning on a project that there's a certain weight to it, you put a lot more emphasis on understanding it, you know, and then applying yeah. it. And the education isn't just a lesson. It's actually like your livelihood. So. Yeah. <laughs> And that makes well, sense. I think it's like very true of all of college that you learn so much. Mm -hmm. You learn, you can only learn so much in four years, and especially when those four years happen to be between eighteen year old, eighteen, and twenty two. Yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, yeah it's arguably a very stupid time for most people. <laughs> <laughs> it's an arguably, I can tell you that was a pretty stupid time in my life. So I, <laughs> I think we're just getting out of that now. Yeah. <laughs> Like maybe like weeks ago. Yeah, a couple uh, weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you didn't I, even mention your everydays in your intro. Like, oh, yeah. Like, okay. and that, you know, before all of this stuff that's happened to your life, and we'll get into that too, but 
the everydays was kind of like the encompassing thing of what you stood for in the artist community, right? Could you explain to people that aren't familiar with what an everyday is? Sure. So the everydays were a project I started in 2007, May 1st, 2007. It's still going now. I've got to do my picture after this call. Uh, <laughs> and so it's basically one picture done sort of from start to finish each day. Um, the last few years have been using Cinema 4D and Octane, a 3D animation program. Um, but it's basically just a picture that I sit down at the computer each day, make and post online before midnight. Mm. And over the years, I've sort of like the style of them has changed. They were very abstract for a long time. Um, and now they're much more sort of like narrative. And sometimes they're kind of like based on the, the sort of like news of the day. Uh, yeah. And that's kind of where they're at. And then for people who really don't know, one of them sold for a I kind of made a compilation of them uh, last year, and that sold for a couple bucks. <laughs> Just a couple bucks, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll get in. Okay, so yeah, the everydays. And what's cool is when uh, my wife and I came and visited Mike and his uh, amazing compound. I don't even. What, what would you call this place? Um, we're gonna call it the space. The space. Okay, that's actually a perfect. I because it's got multiple things to it, and we won't get into that, but. When I was in that one room and you had your everydays represented physical and they're different varied size and there's like this big collage. It was so cool to see because we've known each other for about 10 years. You've been doing everydays for 15, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do we have them up on the wall when you were here? Uh, or in, in that room, not in the other one, but in the, the, like the meeting room where we had lunch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was cool to like note a lot of them, but to bring it back to what you're saying is your everyday started as a device in your life, as I understand it, to be creative and to give time to being creative. Correct? Yeah, it's definitely. Well, it started out to get better and it started out to get better actually at drawing. Mm. And so the first year is drawings um, just because I, I wanted to sort of get better much quicker. And I saw an illustrator in the UK named Tom Judd who did uh, a sketch a day and I thought, Oh, that's a cool idea. Like I can do a sketch a day and you know, yeah. I, that would really help me sort of like incrementally improve and kind of stick with this over a long time. And then after that year was done, then I realized I'd always wanted to learn a 3d program. And so I realized, you know, I could do a render every day and sort of like that might be a good way to sort of like learn this program. Um, this is cinema 4d. Yeah. Yeah, this was Cinema 4D. Yeah, this and I think Octane was a device this is, that was yeah way programmed. before Octane. This was like 2008, so this was like uh, probably almost six years, five six years before I started using Octane. Mm -hmm. um, when we say Octane, just so people understand, this is there's a 3D program which you can model and build and make awesome things, which is Cinema 4D. Inside that, there's a proprietary software that is also like what we call a plugin that attaches itself into the program, which renders things in a very photorealistic way, and that's Octane. So, just yeah, and sure. the rendering is sort of like the final kind of like calculation of the image that takes into account the materials, the light, the atmosphere, everything in the scene, and then it produces a final like you know sort of like much much higher quality sort of like a uh, simulation of that scene with all those lights and everything. 
Yeah. And so depending on the resolution and the like quality that can take, I mean, it could take hours just to make one sort of like days the frames that you see in like these movies of, you know, Pixar, whatever, those take like a day or two days for one single sort of like image, the final on them, just because they're like doing super complex calculations on the light that takes an insane, insane amount of math to make things sort of like photorealistic. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, Octane is the renderer that is used for this. This is a game changer. Uh, You introduced me actually to Octane and that changed my whole game as well. So I have you to thank for me getting further into like my obsession with CGI and 3D and all that kind of stuff. And Oh yeah, I remember when Octane first came out. It was one of those things where I still remember the first video I saw with it, and it was like, okay, wait, so this is on a GPU. This seems way faster, and this was like nobody was using this at the time. Uh, it was like, do you remember who made the video? Yeah, and the video was just like a tech demo of like a, a like a tube of toothpaste getting like <laughs> like some shit on it, like toothpaste on it or something. Shit but on like, toothpaste. Like, oh, man. no, is using this at the time. This yeah. was late 2013. Oh damn. Okay. And it was like, man, this seems like way fucking faster. And it's like, if I spend like three grand, yeah. I could get like three of these cards, and this thing's gonna be like stupid. Seven twenties. Seven twenties. Those are 720s, yeah, yeah. baby. That old school yeah. GTX, baby. And so it was like We're talking about shit. graphics processor units, GPUs. That's what actually helps calculate the math and the science that goes behind the engine. Before that, they used CPUs. And so CPUs, it that's calculate on the CPU, and this was like a big change. Yes, to calculate the image using a GPU. Yeah, mm. I use CPU renders now, and I use GPUs, so I use both. I use a, a plugin called Corona and there's one that they do similar things, very similar, just different ways of interacting. And then Octane is a GPU based. So just so we're not losing anybody here that comes in yeah. and wants to know. About no, this. I think this is good. But it's really important because like these are literally our paintbrushes. If you look at the equivalent, like this is, you know, a lot of people, myself included, loved watching, like looking at Da Vinci's sketches. Well, what did he sketch with? The reason why I think we can relate to that is we all understand paper and graphite makes a sketch it's simple yep. it's easy we understand it the big fallout with everything else that we do is like what the hell is an nft what's bitcoin what is that what's an what's a gpu what's octane it, there's a lot of confusion there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff to take in as an outside observer and there's a lot of responsibility almost if you want to understand this space that's one thing i really admire about you and, and various friends that you guys are very early adopters to a lot of technology and I think that gives you guys the edge. I'm a, I'm very slow to react to certain things. Like, I don't know what my problem is. I think I'm just like very hesitant, and then I'm like, "All right, this is cool." <laughs> I I feel like I'm pretty slow too because I'm very much. I usually take the like sort of, especially with new technologies. I'm very kind of I'm interested right away. Yeah. But then I'm like kind of like okay, like let's take a like wait and see approach before I like put a bunch of time into. We talked about that with AI art. You know, we've had quite a few. We should definitely get into that topic in general. But like, that's a thing that's new that we've both discussed at pretty good length and about like if these things are relevant or not. You know, like relevant, of course, but how would we use them and apply them outside of like the knee jerk reaction of like, this is a cool toy, you know, like, yeah, can this be used thoughtfully. Um, but yeah, so I thought, I mean, I guess 
Yeah, I think you, you do early adopt things too, you know, I, at least from my perspective, I th- feel like I'm much slower. A lot of friends of mine, they just jump in and they get in there like Vitaly or Miche and those guys just get right into it and start jamming through things, which is really cool. Um, I have a lot of admiration for that because I'm almost afraid of it. I'm like, oh, I don't want to learn another thing. Like sure. Blender's now like the program killer and then there's like obviously real-time renders via game engines we've talked about that unreal engine the version 5 so when we say yes, this i'm not using that i'm way behind i feel like i'm yeah. i feel like some things i'm quick to but it's got to be like i have to see like an insane amount of like immediate value from it to like immediately sort of like switch over yeah and with the nft thing it finally kind of like clicked where it's like wait a second this could be that moment that people actually start like well before the like Christie's auction, like I kind of realized this could be that moment that people start looking at this as actual collectible art and it is in the canon of art history in a much more meaningful sort of like way. Mm. Let's okay. So now let's go back a little bit because we talked about the everydays. The Christie's thing we're going to definitely talk about. That's lightning in a bottle kind of situation for you. It's also incredible. It's a it's a big deal. Obviously, very relevant. But I also this I want our talk to be focused around as much of the art as possible because I feel like that's sure. where we're going to get the most. Because I know that a lot of your talks and, and things that I know I've seen you experience is it's like your art is synonymous with the value, which is understandable, but before all this you're an artist after all this you're an artist between it all you're an artist so which i find that's really where the core is and i know that's where metacoven saw it too the person bid and 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 actually purchased your work which is really great um so let's go back a little bit you're doing these things called every days as we understand them they're a thing that you do every day you finish it before before 12 o'clock i mean i remember when your your kids were being born and you're still doing every days and stuff like it became a thing. And, and another thing that I love as an observer of this and a friend of yours is like seeing how positive an impact it's had on the community. Like it's kind of evolved you and the community as, as one movement, you know, which has been really great. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's definitely been, been something that I've tried to sort of like, okay, this worked for me to sort of like get a lot better. Um, it's pretty like, if you look at kind of the like skill set and the like work that I was putting out before and after after every day, so it's pretty pretty dramatic. Um, so I very much this is something where that I've encouraged other people like, hey, if you're looking to get better, or looking to like put out more work, you might want to do this. So kind of at talks all around the world, I've sort of you know was was trying to get people to to take a look at this, and you know sort of thousands of people did start doing every days and they became very very popular for a second there that there was kind of a, a bit of a backlash where it was sort of like oh you're doing every days everybody's doing stuff. Yeah. i always knew that would not last it's like well we'll see how many of these people are doing them fucking three years from now because it's yeah bad. it's a three it's to five bad. year thing like because it's you understand like when you do something if you don't have a, a core intention of it it's not going to last because the work's really hard. You're going to sit there in front of an empty crowd and nobody's going to care about you and appreciate you. So you got to do it for you and only yeah. you. And it's kind of a selfish act, like making art yeah. for yourself. It's very masturbatory. 
<laughs> unless it's like it's designed for the masses but because you were doing that you were kind of a beacon because i feel like in my opinion and i know you've experienced this well as well as like if you encounter like a say a stranger and they say oh i used to draw or i used to be an artist how many times have you encountered that yeah i mean so many people i'd say like one out of five people has told me the same thing oh you're you're an artist oh i used to do it in, in school and i'm like i always tell them like, why did you stop and then and then they have you as an example, like, hey, you know, I started here, I kept working at it. And it's almost like there's no excuse if you work at it every day. You're not going to make a masterpiece every day. You're going to have some shit ones and some great ones, and then it's going to evolve. I just think it's fascinating and crazy and also like a kind of a great case study of just like not being a typical artist, like being self-deprecating and not finishing things. <laughs> but. Well, I think yeah, one of the things I really like about the like project overall is that you can see the entire sort of like history of this. Yeah. Um, are you frozen? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. the video frozen. I'm a Disney uh, musical. What's that? I'm a Disney musical. I'm frozen. Uh, the uh, dad joke. You can kind of see the whole sort of you know arc of this, and you can see me literally the first day I opened up Cinema 4D and I could make literally nothing but cubes <laughs> to the point where I'm now where I can make, you know, vagina, uh, Madonna vaginas. <laughs> Maginas? <laughs> Maginas. <laughs> um, this is another uh, auction piece, by the way, for those that aren't. That is. Yeah, that was, the, a, that was a, that was taking it to the, to the extreme there, Mikey. Yeah. Um, I was like, what the hell? that one one got away from us Uh, but yeah i think it's it's to me it is such a great tool for people who are looking to improve on something and it can be applied to so many different things Mm -hmm. um and it's really about just like putting in a small amount of like incremental time but if you do that 365 days a year it will add up to much more than like, I'm going to fucking learn this whole thing this weekend. And then you get burned out and then you fucking really end up spending, you know, 15 hours and then you never come back to it. Yeah. Versus if you just spent one hour and for 15 days, you'd have as much time that, and you'd have time to process and thinking about it in between versus just trying to like cram through something in in a short amount of time. So it's really about, very very much about the process mm-hmm. and um i think yeah that was definitely something that, that that got lost in all the nft stuff was there was just kind of like a glossing over like oh yeah this picture is just like a picture you know a collage of all the pictures you made over the last five thousand days okay <laughs> that was kind of, kind of a lot of work there you just no no of, mike that was bullshit Glossed over like these are it's very just a jpeg dude i could screenshot everybody's it and I own seen it. these everybody's <laughs> seen this yeah okay well th- i think that was what was really fascinating okay. about wow. it. if we talk about the christie's auction for example like medicoven as i understand it is the person that purchased the work and i think from what i understood from listening to what he was saying is that he wanted to acquire the thing in which he could not acquire which was what you were doing which was making work every day documenting it socially politically or not politically but publicly and there's no denying that you're the one that made it you've been making it nonstop for this much time there's a value in that because of the the way you've been doing it in my mind i there's a couple of things to talk about with the everydays is 
most people were often very short-sighted. We want the goal, we want the we want the result from not working. And we also want the result as quick as possible, but we don't realize that that's actually the solve. You know, when I did jujitsu, it's like it's all about the amount of times you do the reps. You want to just roll and get crazy, but that's not where you learn the where you got really get good is you do the reps. And that's yep. the hardest part. Even like with um, I'm into cycling stuff. Like these people win, they don't blast. They go steady, nice steady pace, and they slowly overcome and they just beat everybody because they have that slow consistency. And that slow consistency is not really sexy. It's not romantic, but it is yeah. when you take five thousand of those bad boys and put it up for auction. That's sexy, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. I think um, it is very much about sort of slowly incrementally improving um but i think it's also about sort of the fear that people have each day of that blank page which is very real and it's something i experience you know i know that fear uh you don't experience it now right you i don't experience it with the everydays yeah. um but i do experience it with um other projects oh really just sort of like oh jesus christ how the fuck am i going to start this thing i want to make this you know seemingly massive project it's like i don't even know where to fucking begin and what mm. stupid and blah 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 it's like <laughs> the everydays remove a lot of those challenges to making work because one you have a very set deadline today yeah. <laughs> the end of the fucking day yeah that that is the biggest thing mm. Um, and I think it, like, there's no time to like that, that deadline forces you to just make choices. There's no time to be like, is this good? Is this not good? Are people going to like this? What does this say about me? Is this my best work? It's like, all those things are just shit that you fucking tell yourself to, so that you, your body badly wants you to not sit down and work, Mm -hmm. which is very, um, it's weird that that's how our bodies are kind of like our bodies right. and our minds. They just don't want to think they don't want to do any work. Um, and Unless it's you're about- aligned with the pursuit. You know how that is when you're aligned with the pursuit of something and that chase, but it, it's not, it's not long lasting. It's not long lasting and it takes a lot of sort of like motivation. And I'm not like, I think that's the other misconception people have about me. I think they think I'm like, oh, this is this guy who's super disciplined. He's been doing this, blah, blah. No, that's not the case. I, I am not super pretty disciplined. disciplined, though. I think I would say you're, you're well organized. I, I personally I spectrum of artists, you know, like usually artists are very nebulous and weird and they're just all over the place and spazzy. Like, you have those traits, but they're much more limited. I feel like you definitely have. You're very professional. I think it could also potentially be because you come from the professional art background, right? Because yeah. before all this too, you were you were doing like you know um, Super Bowl stuff and like um, concert visuals and stuff like that, due dates and things that needed to be done, and you know that's a discipline act to actually fulfill those goals, right? Yeah, I think for I mean obviously for you know. 15 years or so uh actually more than that probably almost 20 that i did professional work i was a web designer and then i did concert visuals and all kinds of like other freelance work but yeah it was sort of like 
you had to be a professional. It's like you have deadlines. Yeah. You have a brief. These things are not like suggestions. <laughs> this is the fucking thing they're paying you to do. Yeah. You need to do this shit. So yeah, I mean, I think compared to like if you have somebody who's you know, I don't know, does not have those constraints as like was always a traditional artist, mm. um, and sort of didn't have a you know quote unquote real job. I think uh, yeah, you might have less of that. But I think again, sort of to my original point, like. I'm not some dude who gets up every morning and oh, I'm going to go fucking run 10 miles and oh, okay, I'm going to fucking eat six pounds of chicken for the week and fucking 22 <laughs> milligrams of fucking oh, this. Shit. And like, you sound like a closet workout guy. Let's see you know, guy. Take that shirt off. Let's see those abs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read fucking 15 books this month or I'm going to teach myself how to fucking speak Spanish or something like that. All this shit, that shit is not, man. I, <laughs> like, I fucking make a picture every day. That's <laughs> yeah, you got a lot going I, on, dude. Everything else is fucking, like, I'm just lucky if it gets done. Like, <laughs> and so... You have, good, you have yeah. great people surrounding you, too. That was one thing I really loved to see when we were out there. I was, I was telling my wife, I was like, I love that you surround yourself with loved ones and people that you've known for a long time and people that support you and you support them it seemed like it was a very symbiotic because it, it gets really weird yeah. you know we talked about that when the christie's auction happened like i was like oh shit like are you ready for this because things are about to flip upside down so like hold on to like whatever you can because it's gonna get really weird you know uh, yeah it definitely i think that's very true but i think even more than that even more than having like a support system i think you know looking at the everyday is sort of if it is something that you want to stick stick with i think it's about creating um sort of a realistic expectation for each day and how much you're going to learn and the quality of work that you're going to put out in three hours because i think that's what's very deceiving with these tools to me you spend two three hours on something that's a sketch mm -hmm. like that that's a sketch yeah. Um, but with these tools now, you can make work that does not look like a sketch. It looks quite detailed and quite like finished. Um, but it did not take that long because the tools are insanely, insanely powerful now. Yeah. And they're just set up that it's just like pure artistic choices. Um, well, there's an abundance of assets too. We should talk about the assets because there's asset armies. There's these things on websites called like Turbo Squid and um cg trader and these things where we can literally buy like going to a grocery store and it yeah. has everything that you could ever want for the most part probably like 90 percent of what you would want if it was just an yeah. object that was obtained from reality not i'm not talking about imagination stuff you usually have to build those but so when we talk about things being very quick there's many different avenues as a digital artist in which you can grab assets and use them in a very fast manner instead of having to draw a chair you're like, oh shit! I have you know five thousand options here. I can just buy one, or I have an asset li library plugged into Cinema, and I just bl blast through it on the the um the content browser. Yeah, kind of blend, blend it. Well, and what when you when you're talking about these assets? So basically, what those are is three D models. So like in the case of a chair, you're buying a three D model of a chair. So you're buying kind of like a virtual chair, and you can 
do anything you want with that chair. You can make it bigger. You can make it smaller. You can knock the legs off. You put can, Yeezy's head on it. You can put Yeezy's head on it. And so <laughs> it's like this 3D object that you have complete, complete control over. Change the materials of it. Yeah. Um, and so by, you know, and there's that's just one sort of like asset. Again, there's there's any object you can think of. Mm-hmm. There's a 3D model of this or multiple 3D models of it that you can kind of art direct what sort of like style I want of this. Mm-hmm. So these again, these asset libraries only existed, I would say, in the last 10 years at the sort of like scale that they're at now. Um, got crazy now. I think the last five years is like, wow. Yeah, I five you know, like mega scans, yeah. for example, like the mega scans library is oh, insane. Yeah. And now MetaHumans coming out is like, oh my God, this is it's getting huge. And what we say by mega scans is it's actually a it's a company, right? Mega scans. Uh, Pixel now. Unreal bought them. Epic bought them. Epic and as uh, a game uh, studio, a game, and they built they bought they bought this massive photo scan like asset library that you can just grab certain pieces and put it in there but keep in mind when we say this it's not like you can just be the master of art really quickly by just slapping all these things together you actually definitely have to understand composition you have to definitely understand lighting material and then you have to become a technical artist what i mean by that is you have to understand when shit goes wrong because it always goes wrong nothing ever works as it should and and that's just that's just digital art i would say 50 percent of my time is spent going what the fuck (laughs) why are you doing the thing that i told you to do you know so but yeah but then when it does work you're like okay great this is actually very um frictionless and it's actually like you know no crashing and so on and so forth so um but it's a very i think it's a very mentally taxing thing do you encounter that i feel like digital mentally taxing how um for, for at least for me is like when I go into a situation where I'm like, okay, I want to get this done at this time and I'm expecting this result for myself and everything is aligning to that success happening in that time frame, it almost never does. And then I'm just like, why is it not happening? You know, and that's more of an expectation and a problem like that. And usually because my timelines are really short or I want things done faster than that's actually like physically possible so <laughs> yeah i'm like you do three hour every day is wow crazy yeah i want that <laughs> yeah. yeah i think it's like it's um sometimes i would say most of the time it comes out not as good as i expected but not that far off mm. um that's good sometimes I, I would say most of the time but I think I've also sort of like I know I know what what I can do and what I can't do. Mm. And I'm always trying to push myself a little, but not so much that it's like, well, of course that didn't fucking work. I know I can't I know I can't draw XYZ or I know I can't <laughs> you know, comp together or whatever and it's not it's just not gonna look that good. Mm. Um yeah, and so difference in. I kind of have a good sort of like understanding of where the sort of like boundaries are and how I could push them a little, but not go so far outside of my sort of like boundary where it's like, well, that's just a total fucking pile of shit. Like, <laughs> so you curb your enthusiasm. I think that's actually not a bad idea. Like learn a little bit, but it's again, it's that that's that turtle versus the hair kind of approach where it's like slow incremental growth rather than trying to leap too far and then 
spaz out and well i think a lot of the things too that it's sort of like the things that i really don't know how to do i'm not that interested in or i would learn how to do with them yeah like it's sort of like and my interest i think too my interests have changed so much over the years that it's like some things i could do before i don't even remember how to do them or it would certainly take like some like getting used to to kind of like get back in that mode which i'm sure is for you like i don't know how much like ui stuff you do now like yeah just you used to do a lot of ui stuff and like you know that like mindset is just sort of like, like gone. on a bike i think yeah but it does go away it's a muscle and uh you know your body reacts yeah, you to it. do it if you had to but it's just like i think it's tough if you just don't if you're not in that mindset anymore mm-hmm. yeah do you think that there's a, and this is a t- to talk about mindset, do you think that there's like a champion mindset that you've acquired through like the, the the attrition war that you've gone through with making art every day? Do you feel like you can get into that master mindset, like where it's like, okay, curbing my enthusiasm, I have this approach, I have this much time, this is how much I can extract from it, this is how far out I want to go up beyond my means. Do you, do you approach it like that or do you think it just kind of comes natural? I think it comes natural. And I think it's like, I think that's where the everydays come in hand is you don't really have to have, if you just commit to doing it, mm-hmm. you don't really need a, a champion mindset. Like yeah. you just need to fucking do it. <laughs> and like, you'll just sit down and do it. If you're like, I'm going to do this every day. And there's a very clear, you know, either you posted it or you didn't. And so I don't think you necessarily need a like champion sort of like mindset. I think, um, I mean, I definitely do not feel like I have some sort of like champion mindset. I can tell you that. (laughs) Well, I know you're very self-deprecating and very humble. So, which is also really good. And I think, I think that's also part of what your charm is to me as a distant observer and a friend of yours is like, you're not, you don't take yourself all that seriously, but you do, you are very, you know, well accomplished. And there's a lot, it's like this interesting amalgamation, which makes you who you are, which I think is fascinating. You talked about misconceptions or misunderstandings. You said that people, you think that people think that you're just self-disciplined, like constantly working. Is there, what other misunderstandings do you think people have of you and your work? Well, I am constantly working. It's just like, I don't feel super self-disciplined with it. Um, um i think one of the other probably misconceptions especially from the traditional art space is i don't think people understand that a lot of the work and the imagery that i'm choosing is very purposefully immature um and that that is in my opinion a um it's a tone and it is a sort of vibe that I don't see that much or or I don't really see in in um traditional art that much. It feels very to me very kind of like stuffy and very humorless. And if there is humor, it's much more like kind of like snarky mm. um and sort of like uh very um i don't know not condescending yeah pretentious and very um 
I don't know. Just it, it's not something that is more like it's not the vibe of the internet. I don't know. I, it's hard to put, but like the vibe of the internet is much more like to me. It's much more like super weird and bizarre and like. <laughs> kind of immature in a way um, <laughs> very immature <laughs> and so that's what i'm trying to capture with the art i'm trying to make something that is the vibe of the internet itself mm. um, and i heard you say that that's actually makes a lot of sense about your work in general like how you're kind of taking what you're observing through the internet which is this honestly the internet in my opinion is one of the most fascinating human social experiments of all time nothing tops that because it's fucking weird let's look at like twitter for example like take human interaction and distill it down to the most core aspect and create a shit ton of misinformation and misalignment between people really that's really what that and twitter in my opinion is the weirdest social experiment of all of them maybe reddit too but um you know, then you have long form like YouTube, which I think is very successful because it has more dimension to it and it has this aspect to it, which is more connected to the human condition, basically. But yeah, what's your thought? I think that, that, sorry, go ahead. I think that is like social media in general. I think that is another thing that people sort of like, again, coming from the traditional art world that don't sort of like understand about me as well, is that sort of. Uh, you know, it, it seemingly kind of came out of nowhere with this and, and you know, there's a big sale and then everybody sort of like learned about me, but like millions of digital artists and sort of people who follow my work knew about me before this. And yeah. that's why this happened. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think they think that it's sort of like I gained this following through this like NFTs. It's like, no, I had a following before NFTs. That's what allowed me to be very successful in NFTs. And I've grown up this, grown this sort of like huge base of people following the work and doing every days and using the, we didn't even talk about the VJ clips, using the VJ yeah, clips, yeah. project files from the short yeah. film. That's one thing I yeah. wanted to mention too is, and sorry to interrupt, but that was one of the big things that Mike was doing that I think no one was really doing, which was he would make these massive files and have all these assets and things that he would do on his own time, release them as everydays or VJ clips, and then he would release the project files, which is basically like, here is everything that I've just made. And that was a very, um, I thought that was really amazing. Uh, I somehow ran into it when back in the day and on your Bite People Crap website. And I was like, that's so wild that you have this approach. And it makes a lot of sense that you have had the success you've had because you've been so forthright, like forthright and so honest and open with people. And it just like your approach to art in general is very, you're right. It's not stuffy. It's like, it has humor in it and it's you and your reactions to the world. And it's like, I think that's really, in my opinion, I think that's really special. And that's a good lesson to all artists and younger ones coming up. It's like, follow your own journey and just do your own thing, you know, like, and, yeah, I think it's because it's it's this weird mix of like not taking yourself too seriously, but also taking what you are doing extremely seriously. Like, mm -hmm. uh, there was an incident earlier this year on a certain television show, not to be named, mm -hmm. 
uh damn you jimmy fallon you son of a bitch (laughs) (laughs) what happened no so the every day is like missing the every day of that day oh that's right yeah yeah right long story short i kind of because you're making out the host or something i forgot kind of missing every day or whatever to post it before midnight (laughs) the day of the jimmy fallon show or whatever yeah um but I was like devastated. Mm-hmm. I was like so disappointed in myself and so just like I just felt like a complete fucking failure. Um and it was like very hard. And uh you missed the day day that day. What's up? Because you missed the twelve o'clock deadline. I just missed posting it. I did the long story short. I did the picture on the tonight show live on the tonight show or whatever. Mm. And then I wasn't going to post it because I didn't want to sort of like post it hours before the show even aired. And so I was going to wait till, you know, right before midnight to post it. And then I was staring at myself being on TV and forgot to post it. (laughs) That's a good reason. And to be fair, you made the art before. So I did make the art before, but there, there again, like nobody, everybody was just like, well, you made the art before. What about time zones? What about this or that? True, true, true. Don't. Yeah. But you have your own system. I have the system and it's like, and I don't, I know nobody else gives a fuck about this system, but I care very deeply about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's your, because I'm the one doing this work every single day. So it would make sense that I care more than anybody else. And so I think that's what's tough is sort of like taking your work very seriously, but maybe not taking yourself so seriously. Maybe that's it. Uh, That's tough. Because, yeah, I think the the level of pretentiousness in the art world and with most artists is just so ridiculously high that it's just like, oh, my God, I don't even like... If I met another person, they're like, I'm an artist. It'd just be like, yeah, pass. I don't want to talk to you. (laughs) You know, to be completely honest, you know why I think that's so prevalent if I experience it myself is that art is subjective and people are trying to, at the best of their ability, to prove that they're valid. So they'll go and do this weird charade and they'll do that and they won't realize that like, if you... I can see right through that. You can see right through that. Most people can. And that's when contemporary art and a lot of art itself becomes completely void and disconnected from the human experience. And that's a real big, weird problem. That's why there's this big valley between normal humans and the art space and the fine art space. And the fine art space is, is an ecosystem. As you know, as I'm getting to know, it's a complete, it's its own, it's almost like the Hollywood movie machine. It's almost like the same closed knit got a lot of social aspects to it there's there's definitely gatekeepers it's like any network of humans and yep. it's 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 hard to navigate honestly it's hard to tell like are you pull are you full of shit are you real are what do you do Wh- who's your boss you know like it's yeah. basically the same thing you know it's like navigating that but i think that's why artists are like that that's the byproduct of this weird psychological system which is like i'm valid because i said so and i have this weird excuse and people go well that's weird you know <laughs> like you know? yeah and it's not it's, it's 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 hard to calculate you know and yeah i don't know why i don't that could be i mean it's definitely things I think. the art world is definitely its own sort of like crazy environment with yeah everything you're saying its own kind of set of rules and norms and and these are very much rooted in history and tradition because again this has been happening for thousands of years yeah but i think it's 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is why. I don't know what makes artists so pretentious. I think it's <laughs> I think just it's that, honestly, it's the insecurity to have value. I think it's it. Maybe it could be. I don't know. They're trying to overcompensate. When whenever you try to overcompensate, it's because there's a lack of something, and you're doing it. And when you do it so abruptly and so brightly, like blatantly, you're like obviously you're trying to cover up for something, and that's potentially due to the fact that you really don't know what the fuck you're doing, and that's okay. But I, we can well, see. I think that <laughs> that could be. Maybe that's it. That's actually a very interesting theory because I mean, in essence, no artist really kind of knows what they're doing that much. They're no. just making up shit. Like it's like I mean, literally, I've got to do my picture today. I'm literally just going to make up some shit for this picture. I mean, what are we talking about? That's what it is. Like, that's what making art. I'm literally just like, just make up some bullshit. And hopefully people like it. Hopefully I like it. Like, that's it. And so this whole like, oh, you're just making it up. It's like, yeah, no, that's all art is. All art is just making up shit. Yeah. And and some are really like, I've noticed that too, about the artist ecosystem in the fine art space and in the NFT spaces, some artists, are so good at the bullshit game and some artists are really not good at the bullshit game and some artists and are, yeah some artists who are, are literally like their ideas are not new not original if you're great at bullshit you will be very fucking successful yeah Versus you could be the most talented artist who's genuinely doing new innovative ideas mm-hmm. but if you are not good at fucking marketing yourself you're fucked yeah, we talked a lot about that too. Let me put that in the marketing. Yeah, because we talked about that. Because we, you know, we talked a bit about when this whole shift happened, and we were talking about how this was moving over, and it was like, oh, it was the death of client work. You know, like, wow, cool. Finally, we can be sovereign and have like an artist community and the collectors and this whole ecosystem and you know all that stuff. Seems like that was a lifetime ago, honestly, <laughs> almost. But then we would talk and I would say it's so exhausting because you have to do double time work because you're actually you're doing everything at this point. Now you're not only the artist, but you're the communicator to your marketplace, which is marketing. And you have this whole slew of work that you have to do in order to champion yourself, which so to a lot of people that are looking at you and your success or other people in the space that they're their success. It's not by accident. <laughs> well no it's not by accident too because one i understood like social media yeah and i understood the like power of like reaching a bunch of people and i was trying to reach a bunch of people um not to sell them something and i think that's the thing that is very sort of like different is i gained all these followers for many years by giving your art away too by just giving my art away and sort of like providing value each entertaining people each day not every day being like buy my this buy my that and sort of like um doing that marketing of myself is what put me in this position and so like i was you know marketing myself kind of like long before this and understanding that if i built up a a sort of like massive amount of people following my work and familiar with my work that that would add value to it Mm -hmm. um and this is this is again something that's you know very new the ability to be able to do something like this this is 10 years i mean this is since the beginning of facebook this is you know not that long yeah being able to basically become a channel of your own you know which is i think is is really significant and and again thanks to you for championing this conversation as a perfect example because you and i have been talking a lot about 
we need curation in this space. We need to actually have these thoughtful conversations. And I kept beating around the bush, but I didn't want to bring back the podcast because I'm like, it's so much work. It's so much mental drain in order to do it right and do it properly. But you're like, you literally just need to do the podcast again, which is true. I think that ultimately that was the right answer. And doing this again, and thankful to have friends and support and family that are just like, you just need to do this. You know, like it's something that it's dear to me. I love these conversations. I feel like hopefully it gives value to, to everybody involved. It gives you time to think about what the hell you're doing. Helps me understand you more and then also the community at large. You talked about validation. I feel like you're having to, to champion your validation more so now than ever. What does that feel like and what are the things that, why do you feel you have to validate so much more? Um, I think, I think I do feel like that. Um, I think I feel like that more because people are, I think there was, there was such a a massive separation between the traditional art world and the digital art world. I mean, it was just, they were just, you don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. And we're just going to keep it that way. And, And that's how it was up until, you know years ago when a year and a half whatever and i think uh for me now i think people a lot of people in the digital art world think oh well, you know we're in christie's we're in blah 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 we made it it's like mm, mm. not really we, we've started we, we've started to make it i feel uh, like that door is closed or slightly open Where's that door at? It's definitely much more open. And it's it's opening. I will say it's opening faster than I thought. Mm. Um, You're talking about the fine art world embracing digital art as a sovereign part of art. I think it's like more like this being just seen as like another medium. That is just like, oh, yep, digital art is just another medium similar to sculpting. And people like have, you know, maybe at least some understanding of how these things are made and sort of like uh, some level of kind of like appreciation that when you say you use the computer to make that you didn't just like here's the thing it like it took a lot of like technical training and like understanding of a bunch of the properties that other people like i mean to use these renders you have to understand light and materials in a way that a sculptor does in a way that you know what i mean and you have to understand you have to understand composition and lighting in a way that a photographer does. And if you're doing any sort of like paint over thing, like you have to understand values and, and sort of like techniques of painting, if you're going to be doing any sort of like, you know, painting over as well. So you really need to understand a lot of the different concepts um, of these other mediums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so kind of like understanding that these things are not just, you know monkey jpegs to gamble on <laughs> whoa uh, whoa whoa talking about bored apes here he's, sh- he's shooting in the air here oh, okay. and so i think it's one of these things where we're we're really at the beginning of that yeah people are curious about this stuff more and i think some people who are have taken the time to look into it understand it and are much more thoughtful about this but i think yeah in general we still have quite a ways to go before the general public sort of like understands and kind of like appreciates this thing in the same way that a painting you see a painting i still think it's it's a little bit more sort of like 
second class, like, oh, okay, that's cute. You made some digital art. So this real thing, this painting, like it's <laughs> still seen as like, you know, not quite. It's like, I feel like it's like art junior in a lot of people's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see that. And, you know, think about in, in, in say in culture, how long films and visual effects has been in our zeitgeist, right? And, you know, people don't know how that stuff is done. They just don't. It's not Norman. It's not normal. Like then, you know, the terms like green screen came to be known. People are like, oh, is that the green screen? And then yeah. that's a comment. Oh, Photoshop that. What do you mean? Photo? It's that's manipulating an image using a program, you know, and, yeah. and, and all these things, these are terms and stuff that people had to champion by saying like, no, this is what I'm doing here and so on and so forth. I think it's just. I think it's a war of attrition, honestly. I think it's a- yeah. It'll take a while, but yeah. and it's this is not a new new sort of like process. Again, yeah. like yeah. I think photography is the best example that of photography relevant for you know almost a hundred years yeah. before we were truly seen as part of the like you know canon of art history. And so I definitely think we'll get there. It's not going to take a hundred years. It's going to take no. far time than that i think that's um, because of the the exchange of information and the validation of things oh, and, and oh people that God. have wealth that because you know at this point when it comes to fine art it's it's literally people of wealth and culture who are supporting and championing a lot of these things and these big movements it's like oh i believe in this i'm putting to put my money into this you know and yeah i come from a traditional arts and this is something i do when i do a lot of studio visits with people from the fine art world i bring them into my computer basically and I explain like i come from being being able to paint oil and acrylic and 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 gouache and draw charcoal and, and sculpt and stuff having moved to the digital art space i would say in complete honesty digital art is a hundred times harder in my opinion in many ways in different aspects because you're literally doing everything when you have to do everything it's so much when you're dimensionalizing things when you're moving things and you're animating things everything can go wrong and right at the same time it's so much more abstract and harder to control until you get a grasp of it so i what what i find really enjoyable about working in 3d is you do get like to your point you do get all of those different you get qualities of painting you get certain aspects of photography you get certain aspects of sculpture um and so it really to me and you can really dive into you know any one of those things much further <laughs> um like you can okay for this picture i'm really gonna like concentrate on the lighting or whatever <laughs> um and, and really kind of like make that more of a focus or i'm really gonna you know concentrate on maybe i'm just gonna have it more of like a still studio lit kind of like vibe but i'm going to really make a badass 3d model that looks like fucking insane and really put all my time into this crazy sculpture whatever um and so very nebulous it's yeah there's just so much room to you know learn and expand it 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 doesn't feel like something i could remotely get like oh i'm kind of feel like i've kind of conquered that or sort of like learned that whole thing it's like no i will be like learning and then i think you know that's just from kind of like a more technical aspect from a actual sort of like artistic aspect obviously there's you know uh, uh, endless possibilities that uh, of sort of like ways that you could 
you know, use these tools to express things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about the topic of fame. Um, so, you know, to cut, to talk about what before the Christie's auction, before this massive worldwide fame had acquired where, where people that might not be in the circle that you were building prior because you were very popular. I think, um, if we use metrics, for example, I think your Instagram, you had a lot of followers prior to this, this Christie's event, obviously more, uh, kind of built out from that. Um, but how do you deal with the fame? You, you, if you seem to handle and deal with the the weight of the fame very well, how do you manage that on a daily basis? Do you think on it or, you know, mm, to be honest, it's pretty like, it's pretty like in, in sort of real life, the like, Oh, can I get a selfie or blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff is very on or off. Uh, and it's very much, I control how much of that happens because again, I walk down the street in my neighborhood, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's, oh my God. Gooba gaba. Nobody cares. <laughs> uh, and nobody knows who the fuck I am. That's, like, that's really beautiful though, right? To be famous. And I was family. actually, I went to dinner. You want, I can't, that? you want that everywhere? I can't say who it was, but I went to, di- to lunch recently with somebody who's actually. Just spell the first truly, letters of the name. What's up? First five letters of the name. <laughs> <laughs> and that would give it away actually <laughs> um, but it's it's one of those things where like it, like this is person was a legit like movie star and then we were just going to like launch or whatever and it was like like seeing people's reactions where it's like oh, like i couldn't even imagine like literally just you know walking into a restaurant everybody immediately just like holy shit dude that's what? That person, what the <laughs> like they're looking at me like do you know who you're walking with? It's like, <laughs> like oh my God, like, look, they're right it's Matthew there. Matthew McConaughey, I can't believe it. <laughs> right there next to you. Like, he's eating, so he's like, eating lunch with Bill Gates. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, I, I couldn't imagine having that level of like fame where it was mm. just like anywhere you go, you feel like everybody, oh, are they looking at what I'm eating? Are they looking at my fucking, I'm fucking ketchup on my face? It's like, it's kind of, that would be crazy for me. It's like again, yeah, I go to some fucking NFT conference and you know, yeah, you three thousand dorks will know who I am. But again, I go across the street from that conference and I go into a fucking Seven Eleven and it's like, who the fuck are you? Go fuck yourself. Are you <laughs> buying something or not? Nobody gets. Nobody knows. That's awesome though. Me. I think so. It's very. Yeah. It's super on or off. I think. The thing that's a little harder to turn on or off, obviously, is kind of like the online stuff and like the, the sort of like mind fuck of social media. Yeah. Um, and it very much, in my opinion, is something that is a necessary evil, I guess, in some respects, that it is this thing that is very uh, damaging in many respects and very detrimental to your mental health. Um, and so it's about using that tool, um, and finding ways to use it in a healthy way. And I think it's tough and it's something that you have to kind of continually be vigilant about because we're social people and, you know, we're social beings and everybody, everybody wants people to like them of course like it's no different than it's uh, i don't give a fuck if anybody likes them just fuck it's just shut the fuck up <laughs> everybody wants people to fucking like them yeah and so 
when you see people online just oh hey fuck you it's sort of like that really kind of you know it fucks with your head yeah. and so that, that part of it i think is there's no that's always a challenge you know got a lot of eyeballs on you got a lot yeah i don't think that's something you necessarily get over i think it's more just something you just kind of slow and i think again there was like a a pretty big sort of like ramp up here with the nft thing but prior to the nft thing luckily i had done many interviews and podcasts and people shot little documentaries on me and like all kinds of this stuff to prepare me for that moment so it wasn't like it you know i'd seen p i you know seen people kind of freak out meeting me and shit like that so there there was some prior sort of like experiences that i had that it wasn't just like all of a sudden ah what the fuck <laughs> introducing people well i think that did prepare me but also in a I different mean, time in your life too like you're not yeah you're i'm not 41 yeah yeah 100 exactly. yeah. yeah i'm 41 this is not i couldn't imagine that this is a, you know some 20 year old kid this is happening to it like, oh that'd be gnarly yeah that would be yeah your family be, and you guys are all very close as well i think that's that's one thing that, I, I love seeing massive yeah. pieces massive massive massive, pieces. massive. you're some 20 year old kid who's got nobody and you're just uh, all of a sudden you, because because the thing that's i think the harder part of it than the fame this or that is more so suddenly you got all these people coming out of the woodwork and they want to be best friends yeah yeah like, how do you tell Friends. and 90 percent of them are full of shit they just want fucking money somehow or yeah. they want you to promote their thing or their fucking nft thing or their blah 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 and so it's sort of like if you uh, again because i had had a career of you know very successful career prior to all this and i had had you're almost retired too i think i remember well i was sort of like i could have retired mm-hmm. but this is before you know, all I, this i yeah. wanted to keep i you know i'm not i'm 40 i'm there's no chance i'm gonna like fucking retire no, so, like not retire but like retire from like ex- a lot of intense client work i'm saying like but you sure always yeah do art you were always gonna do every day is forever yeah basically yeah yeah i could have done that but i think i think um maybe i'll go back to that in one second but yeah, I think uh, prior to this, I had had enough work coming in that I was already turning down stuff, and I could already have some level of sort of like, that seems like that's going to be a good deal for you. I'm not sure that's going to be a good deal for me. Yeah, you're very business savvy too, I think, which is also kind of rare for a lot. Yeah, and so well. one thing I will say about client work, I think <laughs> I think the grass is always greener to some respects totally. versus client work versus collectors i i will say the one thing that i do that i did really kind of enjoy two things about client work that i enjoyed is one client work um i think it was part of the reason i kept doing it um was i really liked that it pushed you to push yourself Mm-hmm. and that's something that i do to some degree but not as much necessarily as with client work because the client's like hey make it look like this and you can't go back to them and be like well i don't really know how to do that and that's not really nice. it's like no no, no. <laughs> I, i'm pretty sure i want you to make it fucking look like that. <laughs> and like they don't give a fuck and they want you yeah. to fucking make it look like that because that's what they're fucking paying you to do <laughs> and so then you so have you- to fuck 
figure out how to make it look like that. And yeah. so you have to push yourself to like grow and like, okay, well, fuck, I need to fucking figure out how to make it look like that. And so you can do that I, to yourself though, you know, you can do that to yourself, but again, it's not the same thing. It's not the same as when a client's like, so are you doing yeah, client no, work now? And what's your day rate? Like you doing uh, client work now? <laughs> what's up? So you doing client work and what's your day rate now? <laughs> my day rate is 2.5 million dollars oh whoa 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 easy <laughs> easy bro easy wait for that for that madonna pillar <laughs> <laughs> no it's one of those things where i think you know that's something that i will say i do kind of like miss a bit with with client work is that kind of like push mm. uh and i think it's also just on, on some levels it's it's much more cut and dry yeah it's just like especially if you are disciplined and experienced enough to set up projects in a way that they do not turn into clusterfucks. Yeah, you have to. Um, that. That's a whole thing. Yeah. That's a whole thing. And once you kind of like learn how to do that, okay, I need a contract. Okay, this guy seems fucking sketchy. Okay, this <laughs> fucking, you know, it's going to be a, a total nightmare at the end of it because this guy seems like a dickhead. Like, <laughs> You know, you, once you learn all the, okay, I'm not going to give them, you know, learning how to manage clients and when to ask for feedback and when not to ask for feedback <laughs> yes. and, like, um, and how to present work, all of those things. Yeah. Once you kind of learn how to manage clients, yeah, and it becomes very cut and dry. Here's the fucking thing I said I was going to do. Pay me the fucking money you said you were going to pay. <laughs> and never, there's no bullshit. There's yeah. never like drama. And so it just, it's very transactional in a way that I really enjoyed. Mm. And then for me, you know, then the art could just be the art. So I'm very thankful. I, I couldn't imagine people who kind of come up through the, uh, you know, traditional system mm -hmm. where they constantly from sort of, they, they didn't get to, they didn't have the luxury of developing their voice and practice as an artist mm -hmm. without financial concern mm -hmm. and i think that to me is massively uh, just something that i'm very thankful for and i feel very lucky that i got 20 years of being yeah. able to do that. because it's it what's well, made you who you are well and it fucks with your head more than uh, you know it fucks with my head a little bit more than i thought it was going to if i'm being honest mm -mm. um in that it's like I'm still going to do what I want to do if it's sort of like, no, you know, because again, you have to sort of like think about these things in a different context. Mm -hmm. If now I'm going to draw, you know, a big giant picture of Jeff Bezos with dicks all over his head. So it's like, <laughs> well, okay. wait, are you projecting onto what every day you're going to do tonight? No, well, I've already done that actually. <laughs> but no, so like, no, you're going to evolve that though. You're going to go further. <laughs> I don't. Think so, ah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but so, it's one of those things where, again, you just, if this is just a picture for the internet, well, that feels very at home on the internet. But if you're like, okay, now you got a picture, like somebody's going to buy this for a bunch of money. And then they're, are they going to want to put a bunch of dicks on the wall in like living room? <laughs> Probably not. Are you so talking about the separation between a collector and clients? Is that well, I'm talking about the separation between like making work. Or just yourself, mm -hmm. which I was just doing before. I'm just, I'm the fucking client. I'm the fucking collector. I'm the fucking whole thing. Yeah. I'm just making this and it's like, it, I'm not making work that 
for somebody to pay money for. Yeah. Versus if you start again, now I'm making work to pay money for. And now it's sort of like, you know, uh, I don't think people are going to like that that much. I'm still going to do it. But I just not. And I still did do it. But I just like in the back of your head, you can't. I'm not stupid. Like, I know people like, you know, probably would rather not hang a picture of some disgusting penises, Jeff Bezos, whatever. <laughs> on their thing but i don't know there's some people there's some freaky people out there that like that's true and they want to have that conversation piece too you know so true but again all things sort of like equalize most people (laughs) probably they would rather have something a little bit more sort of like safe and And so again you know sort of looking at the like general population in general and so i think being able to have a, a very clear separation between this is how I make money. Yeah. This is my art. I do think there is a lot of value in that still. <laughs> do you, so in all of the, in all like in this duration, so you're, you're, you're famous. I would say you're famous before all this happened. And then you got uber famous and post this uber famous say two years, the past two years, you have an audit like what's one of the oddest things that's happened to you or an, like a moment you're just like i can't believe this is happening i'm sure there's lots of them i've heard a couple of them yeah and you probably can't name names but like some of the things and the people that you've experienced i'm like this is crazy i can't believe you're doing this right now um is there something that comes to mind you're just like i can't believe that happened and that's <sighs> like because i would imagine when you get famous like uber famous it now it just comes down to like crazy memories and like crazy experiences you're just like i can't believe that just happened and like this hung out with madonna or did xyz with elon or whatever you know like <laughs> yeah there's definitely been quite a lot of those i think <laughs> to me some of the like more like again kind of like bringing it back to the like art thing versus kind of a you know celebrity stuff is some of the art things like like for instance the like human one thing when that was in the evening sale you know last year and it again sold for a pretty good chunk of change. Um, <laughs> like seeing it in relation to other things that were literally less expensive, that it's like, oh shit, like <laughs> our thing is like fucking three times more than this Monet right here. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> those were some of the things where it's like, what the fuck is like, this is, this yeah. is, you know, crazy. And it's, I think it's like seeing the extreme. <laughs> uh enthusiasm that this space and the extreme sort of um awakening mm. to this art form from the digital art side the crypto people yeah and and seeing how jacked up <laughs> everybody got projected up for a second there everybody got projected up now not so much, not so much. <laughs> yeah we're uh shit what we're in november now yeah yeah we're we're, no, we're a bit of winter right now yeah we're, yeah we're, we're, the buildings and the the concept of the it, it's kind of shook up a little bit which which is actually you know i look at it i go this is good this is important a correction in the right direction potentially it's a bummer it's sad for a lot of things but at the same time it's like there was a lot of weird hype weird crap that was happening it's like this is not going to last it can't last it's not sustainable and allah here we are oh yeah and it and i think that's something that has been, I mean, honestly, been very challenging for me as well. 
throughout this year because that's been a new sort of like aspect to this whole thing is having this outside market affect the value of what I do. <laughs> yeah. And that's not really been a, a it be part of it. can't be healthy, right? It's probably not healthy. And again, this is sort of if you have a, you know, it, it's almost like everybody has like publicly traded companies now in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because everybody now has these, you know, floor prices or these prices of XYZ that everybody knows. Yeah. And that's the that's price of your work or whatever yeah and that's very public and that's not how it was before like the the industry that we you know worked in or work in prior to this the vfx and games and that was notoriously everybody was very secret about how much money what's your day rate nobody share those things yeah everybody that was kept very private nobody had any idea how much money people made um and so now it's it's different in that one everything's totally public. Yeah. Two, we're operating the NFT market right now is operating inside of another market, this crypto market. <laughs> and when things happen in the crypto market that have nothing to do with even digital art, much less me. Yeah. Uh, it affects the prices of what I do. Yeah. And so you know just to kind so of place, just place this in timing for people you know when I, I don't know when they're gonna be watching this this is you know yesterday was the ftx collapse <laughs> um and so uh it's it's seeing things like that where it's like some dude who you know made this crypto exchange blah 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 and kind of seems like he lied to a bunch of people and <laughs> overestimated blah blah, blah. Suddenly, I come in and like everything, the value of what I make went down 10% because of this totally external forces yeah. versus that's not the case in like the, you know, how we worked before with like freelance. It wasn't like, oh, something happens in the world and like, okay, now your day rate went down 10% <laughs> like overnight. Yeah. And so it's sort of like, well, that's, that's why the fine art world is kind of hands off, honestly. I think because they're like, okay, let's see if these, let's see how these nerds settle out, you know. <laughs> and see. I think that's, I, I don't think, I think if I were them, I probably would do the same thing. Yeah. And I probably unless you're down for to do that ride, because it's like riding a, it's 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 volatile. I mean, we talked about this too. It's like how, when in history, in the history of art, whenever has art been attached to currency the way it is a nascent new currency so a very yeah. new thing so currency and new and then our art is deeply and rooted and connected to technology we can't do what we do without the programmers making the programs that they make yeah we can make well, art it's global too like again yeah. all these movements in the past are oh this started here and spread blah, blah, blah. this is like boom instantly global it's crazy because it's the speed of the internet too so like Never in history of humanity has art had this many things attached to it. And that's what I think makes it so interesting because like you said, your MO is like, you're like making images that entertain and they're kind of like made for the internet of your observation of the internet and the world at large, but it's kind of like for the internet, which I think makes a lot of sense when you really look at what you're creating, you're kind of reacting to that world around you. But when you think about it, it's like, 
our art is attached now to this new technology, this new blockchain technology, this new currency technology, and now like also like global things like Apple and Mac and uh, Microsoft, um, Nvidia, AMD processors, game engines, all these things. It's crazy. Like it's it's and it also like if you think about it, it does the artist head in because you're thinking like oh one day you're up and the other day you're down. It's like if we weren't already so like self-conscious <laughs> it's like yeah here comes destruction mode and you got to really be like you know just hold on and because i knew this was going to happen I, I, I was like there's no way this can keep climbing and then no no and i knew it was going to happen too and i'm the fucking one who was saying <laughs> shit's going i think we're gonna have a correction at some point here guys uh <laughs> it may so climb back obviously up. i knew this was going to happen but it was sort of like you know to be on the other side of it doesn't feel super great and i think it's sure. it, it is something that i think is was inevitable and i think it's also going to be ultimately healthy from the space because there are a lot of people who are just like very much in this for a quick pump and dump just to make a buck and this will weed all those people out yeah, I feel uh, like it weeded a lot of them out, I would imagine, because like they can't survive these kind of hits, you know, and it's like Well, and I think it's it's also going to weed out the people who are sort of like do you want like uh, uh, there was a, a lot of people I saw who from our world who never made work before. <laughs> like I or made very little personal work. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're making all this shit. <laughs> and it's sort of like, oh, you really just I mean, you're really just doing that because people are paying you. But now those prices have come back down to the level where it's like, well, Realistic. you probably still will make more money on the like client work now. Like mm -hmm. it's got it went from like, fuck you clients, I'm not fucking doing that. I'm an NFT artist, which I'm sure a lot of people burn those bridges on the way out with a fucking <laughs> just flaming glory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know now obviously things have come back down to fucking reality yeah. and and this is was that was inevitable because this is always going to be very fucking hard to make a living at because yeah. again you just get up every day and make up some bullshit and then people give you money yeah I, I, i'll do that like who, who wouldn't want to do that well, that's what it seemed like. I think that was the illusion of it. It was like, oh my God, it's an oasis. I, I equate it almost to the gold rush, you know, uh, of American history. It's like, it's so, it's akin to that. It's like the abstract idea that there's something of wealth that's hidden into something else and you have to find it. You have to work for it, but you could potentially be set up for life. But at what cost? You could, you know, abandon your family and, and, and go out to some land and then get attacked. And then you're just like, you have the plague and then you're done. You know, it's like, there's all these things and only a certain amount of people make it through this and yeah. it literally is a war of attrition and i think when it comes down to your mo when it comes to art when we talked about that this is why i'd love to bring the conversation because your art is uh, as you just mentioned unhealthily attached to this whole volatile nascent technology and and currency and that's got to be so noisy and it's almost like you have to kind of centralize yourself down because in all honesty, you could have taken what you had get, uh, been given from that auction and be like, well, I'm out, <laughs> you know, like cash out and be like, I'm going to make my everydays, but I don't, but you've doubled down on yourself. You have the space now, which is a massive investment in who you are and what you're doing, not only for you, but for your family and your legacy. This is a big thing, you know, and like, which I think, is, I, I love that. I think it's, 
it's a really bold move. And it also, if anybody has any question of your integrity, it's like, well, here you go. <laughs> it was a physical thing that's like, you're here to stay. You're here to make art. You're here to support the community. You're here to, to express yourself and, and be a part of that. Really excited for that project. Uh, to kind of- yeah, 100%. I think it's definitely, it's funny because like after the sale, so many people are like, did you retire now? It's like, you're out of your fucking mind. I retired. <laughs> You worked, you're working harder now, huh? Yeah, it's definitely way more fucking work. And I think it's it's one of these things where, um, like, again, I could have retired before this, but it's like it, making this stuff and putting out this work, like, that's all I've ever been interested in. Like, I'm not super well-rounded. You've got jujitsu and sort of mm-hmm. truck and other oh, dude shit man shit you've got, a bunch of, like, got some dude shit yeah i'm definitely you got, some dude you got a bunch of like man shit that you're interested in <laughs> i don't have any man shit that i'm interested in <laughs> yeah you need to get some more man shit dude I, know, I, was, I was watching you on joe rogan i was like oh man oh what are you <laughs> doing you're totally failing it as a dude <laughs> <laughs> yeah and joe yeah. Was, joe was like god what is going on here what am i talking to i think he said that your wife pegs you that was i i, I rolled out of my seat laughing that was great <laughs> that, that was hilarious yeah. too it's very funny because it's like he's very much like a lot of my friends back home who are very you know and uh a dude their demands man and then he got me and it's like you know i order a fucking salad or something at a restaurant and i'm pretty good you big puss i get called a bunch and they use your wife tag you for that salad yeah (laughs) yeah again you're just yourself and you're not you know apologizing for you're just like that's what you do but yeah you're you're really your mo is literally like making your work and being about it and doing that tell me what what would be like a, a perfect day for you like the most ideal day can you give me that kind of and is do these perfect days happen in your life like kind of like a good rhythm of them what does that look like uh i would say it looks like getting a lot of sort of like work done and feeling like it was a very kind of like productive day Mm. working on you know we've got a, a good variety of things going kind of with the space here um so I think it's about sort of working on that stuff. Um, yeah, and spending time with the family. I think that's really it. Um, that's good. Do those days happen? Um, <laughs> one, kind of. Monday through, Monday through Sunday, how many days of the week are you encountering like efficient effective works occurring and family time balanced into that there's definitely family time balanced i would say pretty good not as much as i would like but not terrible Uh, just because i don't have any friends too so it's like i fucking work and then i just go home and like spend time well you work with your friends though and your brother right yeah i work with some friends but like i don't have i don't have social time with friends outside of that besides going to conferences going to Mm. talks blah blah blah. and that's like once a month kind of thing yeah once a month yeah i would say something like that um but i think i think those days kind of happen um in a way but there's always like you were saying more roadblocks 
than I would like. So the days usually aren't as satisfying as like, oh, wow, I got all the shit I wanted to do done today. It's more like, well, you started something, and then this came up, and then I had to fucking put out this fire, and then blah, blah, blah. And it's sort of like, and I'm also just very, I'm very impatient. Mm. Uh, and that's been another thing that's been tough with, uh, you know, another challenge. Yeah, with, with moving into, like, physical stuff, because it's sort of like, okay, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to make this thing. It's like, okay, well, that piece is back order for three weeks. Okay. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, and keeping that energy alive. Yeah. Go ahead and come back to this in three weeks. You have to energy pivot a lot then, huh? You have to go like, okay, well, fuck, I can't, I can't fix this. No money can fix this. I got to shift my energy. Yeah. Do you do uh-huh. lists at all? Do you do like, because I'm big on lists. We, we talked about this. Do you do lists at all? Like, I need to execute, blah, blah, blah. Because I do that. No, I should have. I used to do that. I used to be very good about like, it. okay, my two list today. I need to like get back to that. Oh, dude, I that's feel the like, savior, man. Yeah. I feel like NFTs have fucked up a lot of my <laughs> sort of routines that I was in. Sure. Uh, um, and I think that that is definitely something I should sort of like come back to because right now it very much there's so much different projects going on Mm. and they're they're all like like before i i felt like i had a lot of different projects going on um but i see now that those projects were all actually very similar like before it'd be like oh you know i'm gonna work on my short film today and then maybe I'll do like a little bit of like a VJ clip. And then I got some client work and then, you know, I'm going to do my every day. Mm. And it's like, well, those are all kind of just different shades of like digital art. Because <laughs> now it's like, okay, I've got to do all that digital art shit still. Yeah. But then also I need to figure out like, what does the lighting look like in this room? Mm. What should we do here? How should we approach, you know, this, museum thing how are we going to talk to this for like yeah there's a lot of too huh there's a lot more like context switching and the contexts are not they're like wildly different mm-hmm. that it's like okay i'm working on this digital art thing then i don't need to go look at this painting and give notes on that or like blah 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 like it's just very different sort of like context who's managing your time beyond yourself nobody mm. you need yes. lists bro you need lists again get on I need, I do need the list because for like a, pers- a, pr- a purpose driven person like yourself, who your value is based on what you've accomplished. I mean, that is literally the fucking the lights at, at night. You know, it's like hundred percent because you can have a flashlight and it only sees 30 feet in front, but you can go as long as your legs will take you, you know? So, and the list and having lists and structure has changed my life. Like for the better, but it also becomes, I become a slave to the list sometimes and I have to get rid of the list sometimes because I'm like, oh, I, you know, today can just be a day where you can exist. Yeah. yeah, which is difficult, but I get that from travel and I'm sure you do as well, like a break in the structure and then you come back to the right routine because I love routines. I don't know if you like routines, but I, I love it. I definitely operate much better when it's a routine and I think that's been been tough over the last sort of like two years here too. It's just like the routine's been you travel like, a lot and stuff. Oh, a ton of travel, a ton of like just new sort of uh, new. I, I mean, to be honest, even like on a, a more base level, like I'm just not that used to sort of like collaborating with 
large groups of people. Mm. Um, like the work that I would do, the digital work that I would do, I almost never had people that I would collaborate with. Mm. There's a few sort of like instances here and there over the last kind of like, you know, 20 years, but the vast majority, vast majority of it is me sitting on a fucking computer doing whatever I want by yourself. I finished by myself. I finished the whole thing. Then I show people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's been something that's different too. just sort of getting into like a routine of like, okay, we're going to have meetings and we're going to do do And like, you know, that's been, been a challenge as well. Mm. The, this, this space that we encounter, I'd call it our ecosystem, this digital art space. And now this like nascent, currency space that you know the cryptocurrency has been around for a long time and but it's now like becoming somewhat of a you know a thing of a discussion what would you change what was like a thing that you like if i could make that change what would that be better the space or to whatever like is there something that you thought like this would make the space so much better like curation as a topic you know like that kind of thing you know so um i think what would make the like more broadly the nft space better um i would say is the biggest thing i think would be safety i think it's still like the safety around this stuff is just very bad mm. um, could you define safety the concept of safety i think i know what safety, you mean, just for general safety is more so like you know when you go into a gallery and you're like hey I want to buy this piece of art. Mm. You're not worried that somebody's back at your house robbing it. Mm. Or you're not worried when you hand them your credit card, they're going to be like, thanks, peace. Yeah. And just like fucking take off with your credit card. Zoink. and they. Yeah. <laughs> but with digital art, you do kind of have to worry about that stuff because it is much easier to get tricked and lose your money. And so I think until it becomes much safer, um, safer and easier, uh, I think it's it's not going to be fully sort of like mainstream. I personally am shocked. Really, honestly, because why would you want something that isn't secure and safe to become mainstream? The thing that you want to become mainstream is something that's inspiring, something great that gives life, but it also is a safe thing for people to actually invest in and be a part of. So yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and I think ease of use too. Like I think people don't understand that it's sort of like the shit is still so complicated. Like mm. it's like buying a fucking so complicated NFT still is still like if you want to buy an NFT with Ethereum, you are talking about a multi-day yeah. process yeah. that is like horrible. Yeah, it, ease it's of a use. Lot of Thankfully, uh, my wife she uh, helps with basically minting the art for me, and that is she, she the thing she tells me she has to deal with. I'm like, oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> like, just like the minting process of actually doing that, then the sale process, and like it's just really exhausting. And and I that's again hats off to artists that have really adopted it, m- understood it enough to be able to use it as a mechanism of profit. That's pretty impressive, you know, all things considered. So. But yeah, I'd say, so I agree. Safety is number one, and that's totally a great point. And then also just like ease of use, because right now it's almost like it's like the oldest, mo- most primitive form of the internet, almost. 
That's what it feels like. It's just like, this is so primitive. And I think the person that's going to crack those two things and solve that is going to really hopefully make a lot of money for themselves, but at the same time, solve a lot of our own problems for the public at large, which I, there's probably people that are out there trying to figure it out, which is hopefully. Oh yeah. There's tons of people, a hundred percent. There's yeah. definitely shitloads of people who are working on this stuff. Yeah. Um, What's, your but, yeah. What's your thoughts on the metaverse? You get into the metaverse much? Uh, um, I think um, the metaverse is an interesting term because I think it's become somewhat meaningless hmm. um, just because it's been thrown around in this like fucking marketing term that's like Pepsi's entering the metaverse fucking <laughs> Dogecoin <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind of like what what the fuck does that even mean? Like it and I think uh um, metaverse to you. Like maybe we should define it first for you. To me, the metaverse is literally none of the things people are talking about right now. It does not exist. It probably will not exist for I would say five years. Yeah. Uh, maybe minimum. eight, probably eight. Yeah. To me the technology the meta- needs to be there. Yeah. To me, the metaverse is, I, I think what we will come back to know as the first true metaverse um, is AR glasses and wearing AR glasses. And, and it won't happen until, in my opinion, Apple makes a headset and everybody puts these on. And, and it won't happen until the experience with the headset is better than the phone. Mm-hmm. And it will get better at the phone. And when it gets better at the phone, your mom's going to have the headset. Mm-hmm. Your fucking grandpa's going to have the headset. Everybody who has the phone now will have the headset because it will be legitimately better. Like, oh, wow. Instead of staring at this tiny little fucking four inch screen, I can see giant screens everywhere. And I can I fucking the screen. Do- I am the screen. Yeah. I, I can fucking just sit in my living room and it's completely fucking empty. And it looks like I've got five fucking 80 inch TVs like you know and i don't even need a fucking tv at all and like yeah it's one of these things where new terms will arise because tv i was thinking about that the other day i was like films that's not really what it is anymore because nothing's shot on film really uh yeah tv shows that's not really a thing or it's like there's new forms for it's like observable content or consumable content but i think that metaverse will have that too so in your opinion a metaverse as we know it as a basic definition which i agree is kind of misused and misunderstood it's an ecosystem of where people exist in a digital form right it's an ecosystem it is more so like a when we switch from a predominantly interacting in these 2d um environments Mm -hmm. web browsers 2d yeah Social media, TikTok, Instagram, blah, 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 2D. It's all 2D. You're looking at text. You're looking at menus that are all 2D on a screen. Mm -hmm. I think as soon as we switch over to, I think, first AR and then VR. Mm -hmm. um, But I think the VR will will be definitely after this. When we switch over to interacting more in 3D spaces, mm. um, that's when I think we will be in the metaverse. But those 3D spaces have to be, in my opinion, much more um, rich and engaging 
And in most games and 3D environments, they're far less engaging than real life. Oh, yeah. And they will not be adopted widely Mm. until they are more enjoyable to spend time in than real life. And I believe definitely AR will come first and that you will have a bunch of 3D objects. Like I'm sitting at my desk right now. And I could have a bunch of tiny little 3D objects on it, all my little Tamaguchis and my blah, 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 whatever. Tamagotchis? Tamaguchis. <laughs> Tamagotchis. <laughs> you know what? I think the... the those, are, those are little pets, digital pets. pronunciation of that, we'll have to Google that afterwards. Who can even know the correct pronunciation? Well, we both studied Japanese. Tamaguchi, some say Tamagotchi. T- t- Tamagotchi, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Gucci, Gucci, okay, yeah, <laughs> no, but that that I, you're right, and I do totally agree. I think the next bridge is because what we exer- experience and and use in the the physical space it should not be diminished or detoured because it is where we we where we live, right? But the digital space with AR is like a heightened version of that, which potentially, if it's wearable, usable, interactable, and actually has um like un because that was like the thing with the iPhone. It was like, I think Steve and the team were like, we're going to make the thing that you never knew that you always wanted or you always needed. And I that's think that's what this will be. It will have to be that or won't be relevant. And no, that, it will be that. Yes. Well, it has to be, right? Because, like, you know, because if you think about it, like um, Zuckerberg and his team, they're working on kind of bringing the metaverse to the social spectrum of it, which I think is interesting as well. And I think that. I would like to see that. I would like to experience it. I'm curious of it, but I've I've experienced almost all levels of these things, and I'm not again I'm not an early adopter because I I go like, all right, this is cool. Now I have a headache. This is big and clunky. I'd rather just be in the world. But I love I love my reality though. I've designed that reality to be something I love. I love the people around me. I love to see them. I love to do the things that I do in the real world. But that's not everybody. I'm, a, I'm fully aware of that. But yeah. No, and I think the other distinction that I make that a lot of people don't make um, to me is the sort of metaverse part of it. And that a lot of people right now are creating universes, but those are just like walled gardens that are no different than, like, you know, a, a lot of times it's Minecraft just or something. Well, it's just a game with NFTs. Like if you're, you're sort of like, to me, if your definition of a metaverse is a game with NFTs, then I disagree. There's nothing against that. It's not saying that's bad, but to me, I don't think that is a metaverse because it's again, it's not something where my parents are. And like at last my parents are part of this, and like everybody's part of it. Mm. Everybody's kind of like again, not everybody, everybody, but almost everybody's part of the internet. And so that's like to me the first kind of it is a type of a metaverse in a way in that sense it's that it's this it's this area we all sort of like interact in mm-hmm. but to me the actual sort of like you know what i think we'll think of as the first metaverse is when we're interacting with 3d objects in a 3d space That'd which awesome. i believe ar mm-hmm. and now all these things like the idea of owning sort of like you know kind of digital objects then i think will make a lot more sense totally because it's almost like like then that little thing on your desk Mm -hmm. it's not just like 
hey, let me show you this thing. It's like somebody just walks into the room and it's like, oh, what the fuck is that? Oh, you've got one of those? Oh, there's only like fucking Two of 50 them. of those. Like, that's fucking badass. You've got one of those. Yeah. Like, you don't have to like... I, I think the the value of some of these virtual things will be much more immediately uh, recognizable mm-hmm. because it won't be this like, oh, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a bored ape. And it's like, okay, well, how can I see you're a bored ape? What, what tells me? Well, you got to look at my Twitter profile and then you've got to look and see if my profile picture is a hexagon or a circle. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, That's, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's exhausting. Well, and it's sort of like that's the best we have now, though. Yeah, and so it's, it's like very, very primitive. Honestly, it's, it's very, very primitive to what it could be and what it will be. It's going to be what it will be. Yeah, yeah. is the oh, you're a bored ape. You literally look like a fucking like you've got some crazy ape fucking thing, or you've got like you know this little fucking thing on your shoulder, or you like have some badass fucking suit that you're wearing that makes it's like oh okay jesus christ like you don't have to like yeah you could have this sort of like social signaling easy bro much more visceral than like here if you've got five minutes i can explain to you why i'm cool like 10 minutes yeah maybe 10 minutes it's gonna take a sec this gets me so excited though about this space because we we work and build in 3d so imagine like in the future where our tools are dimensional into the 3D space via AR, which is awesome. I'd love to get away from screens. I'd love to lay in my bed and make stuff and then walk around, go to my gym and do stuff. That's really cool. So being able to do it in real time, active. And then the real cool thing, the one of the coolest things is I ultimately want to build experiences for people to go through. Almost like you go through my movie set, through my movie. Yeah. You know, I, and I, that to me is what gets me the most pumped up because that's really how much further can you go? That's a video game basically, but instead of being, you know, a controller and screen interface, which is, let's be honest, it's very primitive. I'm going into the space via like a full immersive experience. I think that's ultimately sharing memories, sharing experiences, sharing those kind of things. That's when the art's going to get really crazy. We're going to open up another thing. There's a topic that we've talked about that I would love to talk with you further about is artificial intelligent art. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I think it's very interesting what's happening right now, and I think it's progressing very quickly. Um, and just like every few days, you know, there's another sort of like, you know, they updated this or they added this new capability. So I think it's something that's really moving very fast. Um, and I think it is going to be disruptive in the industry um in a number of ways though i'm not exactly sure how those are going to play out because again i think this is something where this is not new technology comes out and it renders jobs obsolete obsolete um and it makes new jobs too Mm -hmm. For instance, when I grew up, I didn't think to myself, oh, I want to be a web designer. I'm going to be a web designer when I grow up. Mm-hmm. That's not what I was saying in 1988 <laughs> when I was. Because that job, didn't exist. Mm-hmm. that job did not exist. And by the time I went through college and graduated from college, that job did exist. Mm-hmm. 
And that was a very, you know, normal job that people had. And so the idea that this is just going to like blanketly eliminate jobs without like creating new jobs in the process, I don't buy that. Um, but I do think it is very powerful and people will need to sort of like learn how to harness that power in their own skill set. And I think it just, it kind of, for a number of positions, it moved the bar up in terms of like, okay, to make it, you know, you need to be this good. It's like, well, now you need to be this good. But guess what? The tool can help you get there. And so it's like, I think it's, um, it, it's something that to me, especially on the computer science sort of like side of it is just like i find completely fascinating mm. but yeah i think it's it's very a powerful new tool with a lot of new possibilities that we've just barely started to kind of like scratch the surface on mm -hmm. yeah i think that's a i think if you're able to apply it and use it in a in a creative way or a, a, a because right now it's it's a, it's the shiniest star. Where so everybody's looking at it like, oh my god, look at this thing. And uh, I think it's key to just be aware of of the fact that you're a free thinking human being and use that as your tactile skill and remember that. But I, you know, because we talked about this a lot too when this all started coming out. It's like, well, generating a pretty picture isn't really the goal anymore. It used to be. It used to be like, hey, everybody, look at me publicly i've acquired this many skills to make a pretty picture and now it's like well the computer can almost do the same thing now by recreating the library of content in which you fed it so what is your pursuit now when the pretty picture pursuit is no longer the destination then what are you doing and i think yeah. that frees people up and honestly it frees people like it's really shocking because i think a lot of people are on different parts of that destination of I really want to make pretty pictures, so therefore I'm going to acquire 10 years of skill to do so. But you get lost along that path of going, oh, now I'm like a YouTuber that does tutorials. And you're not really an artist in a sense because you've become slave to the path. You're not thinking of where's your destination of a free, free thinking person. I think this is hopefully going to crack a lot of people's brains open and go like, oh, crap. Well, if I can generate a pretty picture, then what can I make? And I've noticed this too. I've done it socially. With friends, I've showed them this thing and then they started using it. And it's a real fast, interesting way to see what's in their subconscious. And you can see difference in taste instantly. Like I've had friends do make stuff and I'm like, that's tasteless. That's literally just bad. And like even with the the God tool, you still can't make something that I consider to have value. Not to be a jerk or an elitist, but it's like I've seen it. But then I see people that are really creative and have like a lot of taste and they make the craziest stuff. And I'm like, oh, so you've used this amazing prompt and you've added these things and then you've made something quite rich and unique because you know how to communicate to the machine. So fascinating. I'm really excited about it. I think it's wonderful. I'm also somewhat scared of it, but at the same time, I think that's what you need to have with a good tool. You need to be somewhat afraid of it because um, it's it's you have to respect its power because it's powerful. Yeah, definitely. I think if you, yes, if you are deriving most of the value of your work from purely being able to render a picture, mm. well, that's that ship that that's going to be very tough. But I think again, this is looking back more historically. This was 
very similar to when the camera came out. It's like, well, we don't need painters anymore. Well, the technology is just going to like destroy painting because now it's like, well, why would you take the time to paint something? And it's like, well, we see now that didn't happen. Mm. And painting became more abstract and more sort of like figurative and more, uh, you know, uh, you know, about the emotion of the image versus just like, I'm going to make the image exactly how it is. And that's been the first, you know, X amount of years, which we're now at. Yeah. Of, of sort of like digital art where it was like, okay, let's perfectly try and recreate the existing world. Let's make, uh, let, how can we make this dirt look exactly like dirt does outside? How can we make this beach ball look exactly, how can we make human skin look yeah. exactly like human skin does in real life? Yeah. And now we more or less crack that to the point where it's like, you know, the biggest hole was in Kennedy Valley, and I think that it's getting very close to being solved. I think it's getting deep very fake, deep fake has basically been the solve, which is a perfect example to what you're saying. Is in my opinion, I think that deep fake is actually going to be the Uncanny uh, Valley solver. When we say Uncanny Valley, if you're not familiar with it, it's basically when somebody makes a computer generated face or a humanoid, the face has this weird thing where you, you know it's wrong because you don't have to be a professional artist or cgi person to know what is right and what's wrong with faces because since we're born we are studying the human face so that's the biggest that was like in my opinion was yeah and all the imperfections like subtle eye twitches and all these little things that tell you like this is false but the deep fake is is massively popular special i think because I think it's like what you said, it's, it's AR basically. You take something that already exists and then you deep fake it over, which is like kind of using the computer again to generate this falsified version of something that's on top of another thing of reality. So I think that's really where the highest level is. Because if you watched like Blade Runner, the latest Blade Runner, have you seen that movie? Yeah. So Rachel in there, she's CGI. And they used an actress stand-in obviously, but the CGI, that was like the first time I saw it and I was like, this is so tastefully done and almost it could have fooled me almost all the way, but there was a couple of things I noticed just because I'm really looking for it, but nothing against the team. Cause that was an incredible effort that they did. But then you look at like rogue one star Wars with the, the the, the general and he looks to CGI, even though it's ILM, they're the best in the world. Yeah. But then there's the deep fake on the latest star Wars, I think. And I was like, wow, this is like really good. And then, then you see people like, you know, deep baking Joe Rogan online, and it's like this is like out of control. So, <laughs> oh, really awesome! Honestly, the thing I saw that very recently, it was just like, oh my fucking Christ! Is that Facebook actually is making these avatars hmm. where that basically um, it's kind of like a mix of like video photogrammetry hmm. um, that is a three D render of your face, but it's being generated like. They've got some way of making. I, I don't even know what the fuck they're doing. It didn't. I think it was. I think it was actually something with this, which I don't know what this is. This um, is this public. This what? Yeah, yeah, this public. This like it's. I don't even remember what they're called for. Like neuron radiance fields or something. This is going to be one of those. What is internet? Computers <laughs> 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 or whatever. Um, but there's a different way. I'm not even sure it's like polygons, how they're like capturing this, but it's basically just like Oh, I, the radiance I, field. The radiance field? It's like creating Z depth yeah, and stuff. It's some radiance field something, but it's like <sighs> it, there is no fucking way you could tell 
that that is that's going to be so scary because think about the political corruption that can happen from that from people like deep faking false news and like people really have to be cautious and like authenticity is going to be the biggest thing i think neural radiance yeah that's i've heard of that yeah dynamic neural maybe it's um neural radiance fields right yeah i think that's what it is these neural radiance fields which i don't even know what the fuck that means yeah nerf. Uh, yeah nerf i've seen that acronym before but that that to me is like when i saw the video of that was again this is maybe like a week ago no fucking way you would ever ever know that was not no way it looked perfect because again it's 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 like the deep fake and that you're not animating all every single eye twitch it's using photogrammetry and so it's like you know it's got all those tiny nuances sort of like built in but it is a 3d render like you could you know change the lighting on the person or do anything or whatever but what is it's, going on guys? it is fucking insane yeah that's right i've seen so, it's like, so, so anyway so like kind of to get back to what we were saying we've kind of conquered the like realism on the screen on the screen yeah on the screen yeah and so two dimension is not it's it's basically been it's almost like it's been charted and it's been conquered i would say like it's almost to the point where it's been conquered like what i mean by this is taking the taking the reality using two dimensions we've acquired ultimate realism almost in a sense like very close to it because of this technology Uh, it's crazy yeah, it's like I said, one of the things I'm most afraid of is like, I mean, I'm always skeptical, skeptical of everything I encounter on the internet. That's just how I am. I think that's saved me a lot of times. That's why I don't get into these things. I know that you're much more into these spaces and stuff, but that's going to be the thing that's going to really throw a lot of people off because when you can just really just make a Trump digital and you get enough people to see it and make enough of a thing or whatever whatever your opinion is it's going to be very scary uh, very very scary it's going to be a psychological conundrum <laughs> for a lot of people i yeah. imagine but that's, i was actually surprised there was not more in the last election but yeah yeah same but i think that maybe there maybe there was and maybe some of it probably got sanctioned or potentially cut, cut out i don't know i'm just assuming yeah but yeah there's, these are things that are way far beyond me that's what you get with the population of really blessed people that have time on their hands <laughs> you get these uh, abundance of bullshit that's basically what's happening <laughs> what's uh, is there an artist right now that you really like you admire or an artist that you've like been you've been introduced to recently that you really like or are influenced by um not really and it's not because it's like there it's not so much that it's not any it's more so that it's like there's like five artists that i'm like interested in and like there's there's nothing wrong with that yeah i think it's just more so there's not like one like it's very hard for me to be like this is the thing i'm interested in because it's like i'm interested in like a lot of different things from like different artists and like some of it might be oh i'm really interested in it like there's a lot of different aspects of it to it too now whereas before it was sort of like when i was influenced by an artist it was mainly just the the um 
aesthetic of what they did. Sure. Um, versus now there's a lot more sort of like layers to it where it's like, oh, I might be interested in, you know, this aspect of this person's life if it's some like historical figure or I might be interested if it's something in, you know, contemporary artist, maybe I'm interested in sort of how they made additions of things or how they did, you know, X, Y, Z or how they're making this, you know, how this sort of like mechanic in their artworks. And so there's, there's a lot of like, kind of like tiny little things um, that I'm interested in. But I would say in general, I'm interested more in, there's a lot of artists where it's like, I'll like one or two things that they did. Mm. But like, otherwise, most of the stuff I will not like. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think I'm more interested to like ideas mm-hmm. than like, people per se that's a really healthy outlook i would say because then you get into like mimicry if you look at it too close and be like i want to be like that or your art basically just apes them without you knowing it really too right because if you're looking at ideas well ideas are abstract you know and your idea of something if i said you know think of a a whale right now you're thinking of a different whale than i am but it's an idea of a whale so i think that's holistically i think it's a very honest and a very uh very healthy approach i think to acknowledging other artists too i feel the same i feel like uh i i love a lot of artists i love all and it all comes like you know i'm just thinking like chris cunningham for example i know he's an artist that we both admire and and and, and adore but it's almost like that's his his style and his aesthetic of pacing and cutting and editing that visceral quality is what drew me to his work particularly you know um yeah but then you get you go beyond that you go okay well what is why is this person doing it? And then more importantly, why am I doing what I'm doing? Which goes back to the AI thing. It's like, if you can do, if you, if all the tools are out of your way, well then what is inside your head and how authentic and original are you? You know, and that's really the trick, you know, that's in my opinion. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's one of those things where, um, I don't know. I think as the tools advance and as people have more ways to get these ideas out, uh, there will be more people who are, you know, I don't, I think there will be a lot more people who consider themselves artists, Mm. uh, which I think is fine. I think that's good. I think it's, um, but I think as the sort of like, amount goes up uh i think it becomes very noisy and it's it's harder to find those you know true sort of like gems but uh, that's where i'm also sort of like i get attracted much more to like the best ideas versus like okay you know, there's certain artworks, or again, like artists where, like, I might love and be like, this is absolute fucking brilliant masterpiece of this one thing they did, but everything else they did, it's like, yeah, no, pass. I think that's <laughs> total bullshit. Sure. Yeah. Which is so wonderful. It's, yeah. It's very hard for me to like, it's just be like, unrealistic for you to be like, I love everything that this person made, you know? Yeah, and I think that an artist to make something that everybody would like too. Yeah, I think there are some 
people like that where I like a lot more of their stuff. Hmm. Um, but I think the other thing is my sort of like taste and my kind of like the aesthetic that I'm interested in changes every few years too. Yeah. And so see it in your everydays too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's sort of like it's um that kind of, you know, helps sort of cycle through a lot of like kind of like people as well. Yeah. Is there somebody in the contemporary space or you don't have to name names, but I mean, because you have come from this space and now you're kind of been jettisoned into this fine art space and being ironically, uh, I'm sure you admire the past, but you've not been like educated in a sense where, you know, the nuances of these different, this is why this is what it is. And this is cultural significance here and so on and so forth. Is there an artist that comes to mind? You're like, of a contemporary time or even the art history do you do you even like uh do you enjoy art history because there's parts of art history i love because it's like that's crazy that that person fucking did that that's so cool and you know yeah i think honestly like earliest 20th 20th century Mm. art is what i'm sort of like most interested in because it seems like there was a lot of changes happening very quickly and a lot of movements being born yeah um, a century ago things go in centuries yeah that it was sort of like um you know sort of cubism and and sort of modernism and sort of our ideas around abstraction and all these things were were sort of like forming of surrealism and i think um there was just a lot of new ways of looking at the world mm-hmm. rapidly sort of like happening. And I think we are very much in that time right now mm-hmm. that I think uh, because of technological innovation, um, we are in a time of like rapid growth. Rapid. Um, I, th- if there's a word that's faster than rapid, that's probably the word. Yeah. Double rapid. Uh, Double rapid. <laughs> Rapid and, squared. Think, and to me, I'm always very, uh, I've always been very interested about how movements start mm-hmm. and how one person has an idea and it like affects a bunch of other art and it affects okay. maybe all art moving forward. And to me, those are the, the, you know, artists and the, sort of like concepts that I find very interesting because that's kind of at the core of what I'm trying to do is predict what art will look like in a hundred years. What will art look like in 100 years? That's what I want to make. That's what I want to be striving towards. Uh, Ambitious. I think it's, again, nobody knows for sure. I obviously don't know, can't know. And so I can only gas. And so it's sort of like, to me, that's what's been been very interesting about looking at art history through the lens of like trying to predict the future. Mm. I'm trying to like see like, okay, how could they have seen how this would play out a hundred years ago? And like, what were the things that they were thinking about? And what were, what are ideas that are so strong that 
a hundred years later, you're like, yeah, that was a good idea. Mm. Because a lot of ideas seem very good, but they don't stand the test of time. No. It's sort of, well, that was a pretty good idea. But then like literally like 12 years later, we realized, wait, we don't really need to do that anymore. And we stopped doing it. And mm. then like that idea is and like, or it doesn't make sense in the future anymore. It, that idea wasn't, it was, it made sense in that specific time and that specific climate or that specific X, Y, Z. But in the future, in 30 years, that idea is not relevant anymore. It's not new. It's not novel. It didn't change anything. It just, it was just, it was that moment. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I'm very much trying to find out what are those ideas that will stand up for a hundred years. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's. I think you can figure out a, a general target for that based on what's relevant to the human experience. Yes. You know, I think it does need to be more core. Yeah. Which is like, we want to be loved. We want to be heard. We want to be understood. We want to give love. We want to be able to experience life in an authentic formation. And whether people know that or not, most people don't even realize that. I think a lot of people are living an unauthentic life. And they don't realize it, but I think that's ultimately when you reach enlightenment, I've not experienced it, but I've seen glimpses of it in my own life. It comes down to being authentically connected to who you are and those around you. And that is really where I think the core of value will last a century. And what you can do with art in order to give that to others, I think that's potentially, yeah, that's potentially the the structure, you know, uh, that's my thought, you know, um, anything that's lasted a test of time for me has been that which is like it has those that kind of formula inside of itself you know but yes yeah, fascinating things well, to wrap this kind of up is what what's what's one of the things that you're most fortunate for like when you think about the concept of being fortunate what i mean you probably have a lot of blessings in your life um is there something that stands out like i'm really fortunate for x or y or whatever um uh, so many things to list. I don't even know where to start. I mean, obviously, machine gun it out, Uzi, Uzi style. I mean, my family. I think that's massive. They've just been, you know, my parents have always been insanely supportive. They're so sweeties uh, too. It was so fun to meet them and hang out with them. So sweeties. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely they're they've been you know a, a part of this and and sort of having them you know be able to see all the fucking craziness of the last year i think has been really cool and and be a part of it and meet some of these people um you know has been awesome i mean just the the, just the ability that the the fact that i have the ability to do this is very you know i'm very thankful for especially you know when you look at what's going on in the world right now that i mean the fact that we're sitting here jerking each other off about fucking jpegs kind of like, <laughs> give me a break here guys like that's not a fucking given everywhere in the world right now no that's, yes we're very blessed you're not starting with that base level of like appreciation for your fucking life like yeah so i think it's like i mean i, I just between those two things there's a lifetime of fucking gratitude that i should be living with Mm. Um, you have it though right you live with it i do but again it's one of those things like everybody else it's like you know 
I have to constantly be reminded of it because when I encounter some minor little inconvenience, it's like, oh, the book. Yeah. It's so fucking stupid. This is fucking <laughs> Well, that's the balance, right? Of wanting to be great and do great things, you must be emotionally connected to what you're doing. And that is the byproduct of it. But again, we can all be humbled by the fact that when your life is great, it's important to sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. That's tough to do though. I think we're all we all fall victim to that, especially in this privileged world that we live in, which is, you know, for the most part, a lot of people's lives, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it's probably you know, we live in such a, a an important special age for humanity i feel like it's there's just blessings galore really and things can yeah. always be better of course but there's a lot of things to be fortunate and and, and thankful for i think i'm yeah same is there somebody um that you would like to give some praise or some a shout out to that somebody that's been you know significant to you in your life outside of say maybe family but Somebody you want to be like, you know, that person's rad and, and big shouts to them or an artist that's coming up or I don't know, whatever. Anything come to mind? Uh, you go, nobody. Now this is over. <laughs> uh, Jimmy <no>. Kimmel. <laughs> uh, there's honestly been so many people. It's so hard to like just name one or three people or yeah, whatever. And then like then they get mad because they didn't get heard. So, okay. Well, it's one of those things where there's like so many people have been so like, I just feel so thankful to, to be part of this like community and to be part of this, you know, because I feel like there was, there was a bit of a mashup of, of communities here. There was the whole crypto community that existed. And then there was the whole, you know, traditional art space that existed. And then there was the digital art space. And those were like three communities that had, fucking nothing to do with each other yeah, yeah. um and now it's this weird fucking soup of these three fucking communities all together mm. so to me in terms of like just giving a shout out to people like i feel very fortunate to have to have come up through the digital art community and it feels like the one place like that i feel like i very much kind of you know belong and sort of like and this feels like my sort of like tribe of people um and so i i the amount of support that i've gotten from that community has obviously just been insane and something that you know i will be forever sort of like grateful for and and something that has put me in this position Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah give a lot though too i think i think that's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship i'd say Going down to like, you know, we talked about your everydays, you just releasing those files to people that are new. And there's so many new digital artists that came up in the space and they like learn from seeing your work and your files and kind of became themselves. And of course, in the beginning, they ape your style and they do all these things and they call it their own. That's part of the first layer of learning. You're going to copy everything because you don't know any better, but then you become yourself, you know, and then. You, like like you said, and I think when you're at the level where you've been doing it for so long, it just becomes a second nature. You don't look at art necessarily as, I want to ape this. You look at it as, what's the idea behind it? And then you step into that space because ultimately, like I said, and I think the AI thing is going to be great because it's going to break the barrier potentially from having to use all these like complica- complicated tools to ex- get to the thing. And it's going to come down to ideas. Who's got the idea? Just that brilliant idea. What's that century idea? And this is something we talked about too. Is like, 
you know, where's that century idea? And that's going to come down to like knowing who you are intrinsically and understanding your fellow human being intrinsically and understanding that situation. That's just my hypothesis of solving that kind of a question because yeah, it's really so massive. So last question. This is another thing I'm trying to do to the podcast to kind of evolve it a little bit more. And I, I don't know, I can't promise that this is going to happen because people are very elusive and it's hard to do. But if there's somebody that you can nominate to come onto the show next, what's a person, who's that person that you're like, you should talk to this person or this would be really cool for you to have this person on the show. Something come to mind? I think you should have Joshua Davis come on to talk about generative art. Okay. I think that would be- I can make that happen. He's already on my list, so. I think he would be a good person to sort of like help give, I think, give some sort of like context to how that's kind of like evolved to where it is now. Mm-hmm. He was doing um, his art before we were doing it. <laughs> like in that Yeah, series. he's one of the people that like, you he's know, when I was up, when I was just starting to get into digital art, seeing his work again, this is 1999, 20 years ago, 23 years ago. 45 uh, years ago, 755 years ago, Josh. 728 years ago. Rapid times two, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think his work and his like sort of the idea that it was that he was making this work with just programming mm-hmm. again this is while i was in school for programming um was very like such a like crazy new kind of like concept to me um and then that he was giving it away too that was also very influential on me and very like oh shit he's just giving away these project files yeah um and so i think like sort of you know, I would love to hear that conversation and kind of like, I would love to hear like what is, who were the people he came up on? Who were the artists where I was like, oh, fuck. When I was like, you know, starting out, although I guess he was kind of like starting out at that time. He's not. When he was a young wizard. Five, he's only like five years older than us, isn't he? I don't know. I haven't asked him that. Maybe he's like 50, I don't know. He's 40. But anyway, I think he's years old. Yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be great to talk to him and sort of like how he came up and like what his influences are and what he thinks of the like kind of like state of things today, especially just kind of I think it's obviously sort of very relevant with relevant with the sort of very recent interest in generative art. Yeah, and he's evolved into an NFT artist as well, which has been really interesting. And he's also um from my observation been very um adapting to the space rapidly. And, and interested and curious and um, navigating these spaces and stuff too, which I think is really difficult to do because you have to constantly be hungry and, and curious of this thing and really understand yeah. it and be intimate with it. And this is such a social mechanism, this whole thing. It's like, who do you know who knows what and how does that work? And then who's doing what? And it's not oftentimes based on the work. It's based on like the timing of knowing the right person. And that's where your success comes from, which could be totally disheartened discon uh just uh hard for people to stomach but that's also the the case of it but yeah you've nominated joshua i already had him on my list so okay well fuck you yeah (laughs) no i had him that's a good thing i had him on my list dare you yeah (laughs) amazing dude thank you so much yeah i appreciate you i appreciate everything you've done for me also the community um i'm excited to listen to the new episodes of the podcast <laughs> long time listener first time caller <laughs> dude you've been on like six Honestly, episodes like that's the thing 
And actually, that was another thing. Like, I never listen. I used to listen to podcasts all the time. I would love that. I never listen to podcasts now. Damn you, NFTs. <laughs> well, I think, like, if you can get back on the, the schedule of your lists, hopefully, and get a little bit of semblance of your past self a little bit and readapt to things. And then also, like, yeah, and once this podcast comes out, and I'm sure you're going to want to listen to Joshua's, and then it might snowball into other things. But yeah, because that's almost all I do is listen to podcasts and, like, I know. I got to get back I to just that. I love that. Yeah. I love that space. So hopefully you have an amazing time making your everyday tonight. Thank you so much for sharing yourself and your time with the rest of us and also for championing me to come back and do this show. I appreciate that. And it's great to, to see you again and to, to do this again. So yeah, perpetuating it. So <laughs> there it is. There it is. All right, babies. Thank you so much. Peace.